We're on the road with Mickey, we're gonna have some fun. Regardless of the rain or sun, our trip has just begun. So buckle up, let's go, we're about to start the show. And maybe if you like us, you'll see where else we'll go. Hi everyone, I'm Sophie, he's Mike. Welcome to our little corner of the podcasting universe. Hopefully you like the sound of our voices and you want to stick around for the show. Not that it stays in one place for long. I mean, after all, we are on the road with Mickey. So hop in the car and buckle up your skate belts because we've got an awesome adventure this week. Now a brief rundown before we get moving. First up, our roundtable talk where we'll discuss the main topic for this week followed by some Disney trivia ranging from Disney history to a random Disney character of the day. Well, that's just about it. Everybody ready? Let's get this show on the road. Hey, everyone. I'm Mike, and she's Sophie. And she's Brenda. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we're on the road with Mickey. This is Season 2, Episode 4, for January 25th, 2021. And this week, and for the next two weeks after this week, we have a special series on Disney Legends. And this next three weeks, we're focusing on Walt's Nine Old Men. And we'll get into what that is exactly a little bit later. But before we get started in our feature topic, we do want to give some really, really um, big news um, from the Cheddar from the Big Cheese. So I'll start us off and... Uh, we're kind of going to alternate a little bit. Um, over at Disneyland Paris, they announced that they are staying closed until April 2nd, 2021. And that's just because of pandemic um, and the way that the, the virus is spreading and everything like that. So they were supposed to open um, in February, and now they've pushed it out to April. So... Um, if anyone has any sort of plans to be at Disneyland Paris in that time period, reach out to them because they will instruct you on what you need to do and and get get refunds or get your dates changed and stuff like that. So, but there is some good news that we are talking about, and coming to Disney Plus starting Friday, February nineteenth, all five seasons of the original Muppet show are coming to Disney Plus. And I think my dad and I are going to have a hard time turning off the TV until we finish those five seasons. And then we'll just watch them over and over again. Precisely. And there's <laughs> also some very good news, and this isn't really to do with Disney Plus. Actually, no, it's not to do with Disney Plus. But... Bob Iger and his wife, Willow Bay, are donating $5 million to small businesses in Los Angeles to help keep those small workers afloat. And that is amazing what they're doing. Yeah, it is. It is really, that's a really nice gesture from them. And so hopefully it will help. Um, my in reading it, I, I heard that it was going to help like a thousand small businesses in Los Angeles um, to get some extra money they need to stay afloat. So, so that's big time. Way, way to go, Mr. Iger and Ms. Bay. Um, mm-hmm. 
last Wednesday, of course, was Inauguration Day, and um, President Biden was inaugurated into office. And last Wednesday, the Hall of Presidents closed for refurbishment as they add him into the attraction. There is no word yet on when it will open or reopen, but um, but that will be ongoing. So, so hopefully that will be soon. Mm-hmm. And then there is some more exciting news that I have to share. As you can see, I'm generally the bearer of good news in this <laughs> in this podcast. But exciting news, and I'm very excited about this, by the way. You should have heard me when I found out. I was over the moon. Disney's Animal Kingdom Park is going to be reopening my favorite attraction ever coming this summer. And for those of you who have watched us before, you know what my favorite attraction in Animal Kingdom is. The Festival of the Lion King. I thought it was Dinosaur. <laughs> Daddy, we really need to take you back to Animal Kingdom so we can get your facts straight. <laughs> okay. Well, just for the record, I am super stoked that Festival of the Lion King is returning too. And mm-hmm. oh, can't wait till we can see it again. You know, there'll either. be some changes. There'll be some changes for social distancing and things like that. And to keep the um, the performers and cast members safe, you know. Um, but you know what? It's going to be a big time deal, and it's going to be so cool when it's back. I so love it. I'm gonna. I've missed it. Like for those of you who don't remember our trip to Disney in July, um, we were at Animal Kingdom. And it was blistering hot, and I just wanted to, we were going to Africa, and I was like, I really want to go see Festival of the Lion King. It's air-conditioned, and it's pretty. And when we got there and realized, uh, there's no line. Why is there no line? Um, Because it was closed, you could just see the look of dejection on my face. Yeah. It was, but it was okay. Because we went and did other things and had a good day. Yeah. But it was still disappointing. But you know what? It was what it was. Mm-hmm. So. Another reason to go back. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. So that is all the cheddar from the big cheese that we have. Brenda, do you have anything you want to add for that segment? No, thank you. Okay. Alrighty. Um, and just a reminder... Um, you know, you can check the show notes and you can see all the different ways that you can connect with us. So feel free to reach out to us. We love hearing from you. And that um, brings us to our feature topic. And it's Disney Legends, Walt's Nine Old Men. So I thought I would start us off by giving a little bit of information on what exactly we mean by Walt's Nine Old Men. Because it's kind of... It may not be something that everyone knows about. So who are the Nine Old Men? Um, The Nine Old Men were a core group of animators that were hired by Walt Disney. They created some of the Walt Disney Studios' most famous work. And we're talking films like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, The Rescuers, Pinocchio, Bambi. Mm -hmm. 
the list goes on and on and on. Cinderella, you name it, they probably worked on it. Um, and the funny thing about the Nine Old Men is that um, it was a joke by Walt. He called them the Nine Old Men as a play on words because in that time period, Franklin Delano Roosevelt was the president and he had nine Supreme Court judges and um, and they were called the Nine Old Men because they were older justice, older judges. And the joke was that the nine old men that Walt Disney was referring to were in their 20s. So they were by no means old men, but Walt called them his nine old men. And so, so that, that just kind of stuck a little bit. But all nine of them, plus Oob Iwerks, who was um, widely known um, from his work in animating Mickey Mouse with Walt Disney, all nine of them plus Ubi Works were named Disney Legends in 1989. So that's just a little high level about who the nine old men are. Um, but I'm going to turn it over to Brenda. She's our guest. Mm-hmm. And Brenda may not have known it, but she's going first. Oh, great. <laughs> and she is going to talk about who? Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. Okay. So tell us about Frank Thomas, Brenda. Okay. Well, Frank Thomas was born Franklin Rosbury Thomas on September 5th, 1912 in Santa Monica, California. He Mm -hmm. died September 8th, 2004. And he was half of the Frank and Ollie team that was really popular with um, Disney animation back then. He went to college at Fresno State University for two years, and he played in the band. And while he was there, he filmed a silent film called The Sophomore, and he also drew cartoons for his school yearbook. Okay. He went to Stanford University and finished up his degree for the next two years, and then on to Chouinard Art Institute. And he had met Ollie Johnston, who is another of the old nine old men, um, while at Stanford, and then they both went to Chouinard and studied there. You know, one of the things I discovered about Frank Thomas, and I didn't know this, and you guys may have known it already, but he was quite the artist. I mean, he did watercolors, he did portraits and illustrations. His life drawings are beautiful. Uh-huh. And I'm going to recommend to to all your listeners, if they have time, to Google breakfast and breakfast and the genius of Frank in Google, and you'll be able to see these beautiful drawings he did. They were really magnificent. He was such an artist. Um, so after he left Chenard, he went and applied at the Walt Disney Company and was hired, and he became the sixth hire of Walt's nine old men on September 24th, 1934. His employee number was 224. Nice. Boy, that's really crazy. Um, and he retired in January uh, of 1978, January 31st, 1978. Um, his animation career started with his first short, um, Brave Little Taylor. Uh-huh. And he was known for combining artistry and sincere acting, and he was really good at it. He and Ollie Johnson were a great team. The popular characters and scenes that Frank animated were the dwarfs crying over Snow White's 
Dead Body, Pinocchio Singing at the Marionette Theater, Bambi and Thumper on the Ice. I love that. Aww. Lady and the Tramp Eating Spaghetti. Hello, that's like the most romantic scene <sighs> I've ever seen movie ever. And yeah. it's so beautiful. Um, the Three Fairies and Sleeping Beauty, the Dancing Penguins and Mary Poppins. Mm. Yeah. And he had a directing, he was directing animator for several of the villains, Lady Tremaine from Cinderella and the Queen of Hearts and Alice in Wonderland and Captain Hook and Peter Pan. Oh, wow. I all those guys. He did a great job. Yeah, of course. His other professional accomplishments were co-authoring the um, book with Ollie. Ollie Johnston is the Disney animation, The Illusion of Life. Sophia <laughs> has that book. Yep, I had that book too. And it's the textbook, even now, for animation courses, still today. It's known as the Bible among, um, car uh, among character animators. Yep. And it is absolutely beautiful. Is I beautiful. love this book. Yeah, it's gorgeous. It's heavy, too. Good oh, weapon. yeah. <laughs> you should have seen me. I don't know if the viewers recognize, but as you started talking about Ollie Johnson, I was reaching right. over to my... Well, yeah, but I mean, like, she mentioned Ollie Johnson, Daddy. Yeah. And I was reaching over to grab the book, and I wanted to show it completely, but... Whoa, I am completely disappeared. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. That's okay. That's okay. Yeah, take that a picture and text it to me, Sophie. I'll put it in the show notes so people can see what the cover looks like if they want to get it. Okay? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful and, book. And what makes it even better is that it's a hard cover. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Frank's last professional work before his death was in 2004 in The Incredibles. Mm -hmm. And he was not an animator. He was actually a voice character. And if you'll remember in the original Incredibles movie in 2004, the two old men standing and one says, that's old school. And the other says, yeah, no school like the old school. Well, that was actually Frank and Ollie who did that. Yeah. I remember that. It was a huge... It was a huge Easter egg yeah, for me. Great. Awesome. Well, that's so cool. Mm -hmm. I love the history. He gave, you know, upcoming animators that came just were thrilled to be able to work with him and learn from him. And the best advice he gave was don't animate what the character's doing, rather what the character is thinking. Nice. So I thought that was awesome. So I also noted a hobby of his. He was a pianist. Mm -hmm. And he played in the Dixieland Band and the Firehouse Five Plus Two. So he played at night and he did animation in the daytime. Yep. Yep. Wow. Really nice guy. I like I like him. I you know, didn't know him, but I like him from everything I've seen. His wife was Jeanette. He had four children, Anne, Greg, Theodore, and Douglas. And Frank and his family um, actually lived right next door to Ollie Johnston and his family. I mean, these guys were joined at the hip, weren't they? They oh, were. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, they were really, really close friends. Um, You've seen Frank- the, you saw the movie, right, Frank and Ollie? Yeah, yeah. It's on it's, Disney Plus. If you haven't seen it, anyone, yeah, go check it out. It's awesome. a really cool documentary about those two. It really is. They were really great friends. Um, Frank did readings on astronomy, and he wanted to like get a visual of like the solar system. So he built the solar system in their living room. Nice. And the boys would make like models of rockets and he would make movies, like let the boys make movies with their models of rockets. He was a really, really hands-on dad. Um, wow. He drove a Dodge Dart GT. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny what all these guys drove. It's funny to learn what all these guys drove. Um, he was obviously well-loved by his family, friends, co-workers, and so many who came after him in the field. He's just well-respected and a really nice guy. And I, I have something I just found recently that says Frank's assessment of Walt played into his own philosophy of, of attributing emotion to his characters. The most important thing in your life was pleasing Walt. Now, that wasn't because he was the boss or because you had any special relationship with him. He just had an air about him that you wanted to please this man. The other thing, which I think was even more important, was that he drew out of you what he thought, what he believed you could do, and he made you believe it. Mm -hmm. And he needed the audience to believe his characters and for Walt to believe in him, too. Yeah. And he did a fantastic job. I would say mission accomplished in that regard. I would too. And I found an interesting tidbit, and this doesn't have necessarily to do with Frank. Well, actually, it has to do with all the animators. But back when they were doing these, you know, frames where you had to draw the character and then redraw the character and you had to flip the book Mm -hmm. so it looked like it was moving. This is just some statistics I found on that. A traditional animated movie runs 24 frames. Um, think one drawing per frame per second of screen time. So 24 frames per second. Traditional movies typically meant that the entire character would be drawn 24 times, equaling 24 frames. So that's per second. That's 1,440 frames per minute. That equates to 86 1,400 frames per hour of screen time. I mean, wow. That's in- crazy. It's crazy, incredible how many drawings to do one hour of film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, like you said, one hour, and it's all done by hand. Yes. It yes. was all done by hand. And it moves so fluidly. I mean, if you watch you watch these scenes again when you when you know what they had to do for that and it's crazy incredible they were able to pull it off. Yeah. Yeah. And remember those times, Daddy, when you would look into my notebooks at school and be like, Why are you always drawing the same thing over and over again? <laughs> I guess I was born to be an animator. That's right. Yep. So do you have anything else you want to add for us there, Brenda, about about Frank? No, not about Frank. Um, n- okay. No, nope. okay. I 
think good. it's fascinating to learn about these guys and learn more details about them. I do too. I do too. Well, that I takes us. As well. I that takes us then to Sophie, and Sophie yeah. going to be talking about Mark Davis. Mm-hmm. Excuse me for one second. I am really thirsty. Okay. Sorry, my mouth has been dry today. Okay. So, Mark Davis, what do you got for us? Well, I have a bunch of information about Mark Davis that I came up with really quickly. And Mark Davis was born on March 30th, 1913. He died in 2000. I don't have the exact date. But... In his early life, Mark and I have something in common in that we really like to draw and that our classmates were jerks. I'm just going to say it. So, yes, as a child, the schoolyard bullies were an impetus for Davis to start drawing. He found that when he drew, the other kids wanted his artwork and the bullies wouldn't beat him up. So that led him to keep drawing more and more and more. And he studied at the Kansas City Art Institute, the California School of Fine Arts in San Francisco, and the Otis Art Institute in Los Angeles. And he was really good at sketching zoo animals. He was practically a zoologist, I would say. And in the evening, he was studying animal anatomy in the public library after he was done with his classes and schoolwork. And... He began his career on June, no, not June, December 2nd, 1935. He was the last of the nine old men to be hired. I'm sorry, I don't know why I said June. And he started as an animator for Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And although he was nicknamed the ladies' man because he was always drawing all the female characters in all of these movies. He drew Cinderella. He drew Snow White, obviously. He actually really liked to work on animals, animating animals. But he and... Hang on. Sorry, I'm kind of reading this off of what I have, but I'm also not. He and Milt Cole were always stuck for over a decade with difficult to draw and dull human characters in his own words. He said, Milt got stuck with the prince a lot and I got stuck with the girls. Despite his distaste for the role because he really likes to draw animals, his commitment to the artistic excellence never let him forget that he still had to put personality into the characters. Mm -hmm. He, Walt described him as a renaissance man and he admits that he did not use mark as he should have he had an entire building of animators but that is all they could do just animate mark made the story he designed the world that we saw in each movie and he made the characters feel alive and So Walt was very fond of Mark and his work. And when asked which animated piece Walt liked the most, he said that it was the scene where Cinderella gets her 
iconic ball gown from the fairy godmother. And it was actually Mark who animated that scene. He animated the pixie dust transformation. Nice. Mm-hmm. And a very important thing that we see in a lot of the Disney characters from that era of animation, I call it the golden and the silver age. A lot of the things we see from that era is that the characters were designed off of live references from the actors who voiced them. And the most, the one that I can remember off the top of my head would be Aurora from Sleeping Beauty when she was dancing in the forest. Her voice actress would wear the costume that Aurora wore and she would dance around the choreography and they would film her doing that and then they would animate based off of the poses that she made in that film. And it was Mark who did this most often and he was also known by his by the actors of the characters he animated to end up making the characters look like the actors themselves. You could see the recognition in their facial structures, like with Aurora, Maleficent, and even Cruella de Vil. They all looked like the actors and act- actresses that an- that played them. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, there are other things that he did. He designed many of the characters and animatronics in the shows and rides at Disneyland and Disney World. And these include many, many of the rides that I can't list every single one, but they include the Jungle Cruise, the Enchanted Tiki Room, and the Carousel of Progress. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, the la- I was going to say, that's kind of what I what I think of is how a lot of these animators um, got more involved with, with the parks as well, you know? Mm-hmm. They saw that Walt really was invested in the parks, I think. They saw that and they were like, this is something that Walt wants. And like Brenda said, you live to please Walt. And so they wanted to please Walt and they wanted to work on the parks. And I think... I think it couldn't have been the way it was without their help. I really don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there are other places that he worked at besides the the Disney Studios. He was actually a professor at Chouinard Art Institute, and that is where he met his wife, Alice, and she was a student when he met him. And he met her in 1947, and when she graduated, they got married in 1956, and they were together until his passing in 2000. Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that all you have for us? Is there anything else you want to tell us about? There's just one last thing I wanted to say, and it's with regards to his legacy. There are many things that... Mark Davis left behind after the end of his life. And one of them that I will mention is that the same month of his death, the Mark Fraser Davis Scholarship Fund was formally established at the California Institute of the Arts. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. 
and he passed away in January of 2000. I don't know the exact date either, though, Sophie. Yeah. But I did see it was January. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. I had to so, get yeah, that's all. something for my throat. It was a little tickly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. that's all I have to say. Okay. I well, hope thank I you, did Sophie. all right. I'm you not particularly... Perfect. Okay. You did perfect. And and so did Brenda. So that brings us to me in my first selection, and that would be Mr. Ward Kimball. Awesome. <laughs> Ward Kimball was born on March 4th, 1914. That would be two days after mommy's birthday. Shh. A few years before. <laughs> But uh, several years before. <laughs> yeah, I was like, Daddy, Mommy is not over 100 years old. No. He began work at the Disney Studios on April 2nd, 1934, and he was the fourth hire of the nine old men. Now, Ward, like many of the rookie animators, started out as an in-betweener. An in-betweener was an artist who created the drawings that appear in between the extremes of an action that are drawn by an animator. So he would fill in the gaps, kind of. And he had a nickname in, amongst the nine old men, and that was the Mad Genius. Mm. I, don't, I don't quite know why, but I thought that was really kind of cool. So I figured I would put that out there. Hey, um, forgive me, everyone, but one of my neighbors is blasting music really loud, so I'm going to put myself on mute unless I'm talking, okay? Okay. You don't have to tell us, Sophie. <laughs> um, you know, for many of these char these animators, we don't know who they are, but you you may not know who they are, but you know their work. And... For what for Ward Kimball, one of his best characters, one of the characters he's known most for, is Jiminy Cricket in Pinocchio. In fact, it was to the point that um, they said that Jiminy Cricket's mannerisms and even his facial look reminded people of Ward Kimball. So when you see a picture of Jiminy Cricket. You're looking at Ward Kimball. Now, in 1948, as Brenda mentioned, um, he he formed the band The Firehouse 5 Plus 2, and that was a Dixieland jazz band, and it had fellow cast members, including Frank Thomas, as other members. Ward Kimball was a jazz trombonist, the band appeared on television shows, in movies, it played live at Disneyland, and it even recorded a string of albums. And what I thought was really interesting was at one point, the record sales of the Firehouse 5 Plus 2 actually outsold Dizzy Gillespie on the jazz charts. Wow. I thought that was phenomenal. That is phenomenal. Ward Kimball was also a big railroad fan. He's noted as being one of the men 
that helped get Walt's passion for railroading, leading to Walt installing the Disneyland Railroad at Disneyland. He did that with um, with Ollie. They both were big on railroading, and so um, and they both kind of showed showed Walt what they had in their backyards. Um, Ward Kimball had a three acre backyard. And he had a railroad in it that was called Grizzly Falls. And Brenda, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't there a raft ride at California Adventure called Grizzly Falls? I sure think so. And so there's a little throwback there to Ward Kimball with that. <laughs> Grizzly River Run. Ah, thank you. Yeah, that's it. That's what it's called. Thank you, yeah. Sophie. And but, the, um, the what, mountain is shaped... I was going to say the mountain is shaped like a grizzly bear. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you for correcting me, Sophie. Um, but all of that is 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 just so cool to me. Um, Ward Kimball was married to his wife, Betty. And she had, they met when she worked in the ink and paint department at Disney. And they were married for 65 years. They raised three children. And they had several grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And Ward Kimball passed away on July 8th, 2002. Um, But I have one last note about Ward Kimball. In 2005, the Disneyland Railroad introduced its fifth steam locomotive. And it was appropriately named the Ward Kimball. And what's even better in my mind is Ward's grandson, Nate Lord. He was one of the Disneyland Railroad engineers. And you could often see him at the helm of the Ward Kimball locomotive at Disneyland. How cool would that be to know that you were driving the train that was named after your grandpa that you used to go in his backyard and and check out trains with him? That Uh, is amazing that's phenomenal to me so and that's just that speaks to disney as a family you know mm-hmm. but that is what i've got for ward kimball and i'm sure i'm not even scratching the surface when it comes to all the neat things that he was he was known for but i think it was so much fun to look at this mm-hmm. so. i think it was too so that finishes us up for um, our feature topic. Unless any of you have any questions or have anything you want to add. Um, and that kind of also wraps us up for this day in Disney history. Is that correct, Sophie? Yes, it does. I decided that since this entire show was going to be just a giant homage to Disney's history that I wouldn't really need a this day in Disney history because I knew it wouldn't live up to what we were doing. Yeah. Okay. That's perfectly okay. I do have a Disney Who's Who's character that I want to share mm-hmm. with you guys. And I have a Walt Disney quote. So my Who's Who's character, since I was talking about Ward Kimball, I'm going to pick Jiminy Cricket as my who's who character. 
Let me get my glasses on. Jiminy may be small, but he's far from your average cricket. He can turn an umbrella into a parachute and looks great in a top hat. He also possesses a nearly inexhaustible supply of good old-fashioned common sense. It's no wonder he is chosen by the Blue Fairy to be Pinocchio's official conscience. Only after he blushingly agrees to his appointment does he realize what a job he's gotten himself into. (laughs) Like any conscience, Jiminy is occasionally late on the job and frequently ignored when he is around. Fortunately, Jiminy is nothing if not persistent, and he generally succeeds in steering Pinocchio back to the right path, even if it takes a few missteps to do so. So, did you know that Jiminy Cricket appears in the Mickey Mouse film Mickey's Christmas Carol as the Ghost of Christmas Past? I did not. I did not either. I didn't know that either. But I, I see it in the book, so I'm going to count it as truth. Mm. <laughs> also, did you know, Jiminy's full title is Lord High Keeper of the Knowledge of Right and Wrong, Counselor in Moments of Temptation, and Guide Along the Straight and Narrow Path. That is a lot to put on a business card. A lot. <laughs> <laughs> Wish I could put that on a business card. (laughs) I would just put conscience. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe a resume then. There you go. So anyway, (laughs) that is my Disney Who's Who's character. And now I have a Walt Disney quote. And um, he said this of Ward Kimball. I'm going all Ward Kimball on you guys today. (laughs) And that is perfectly fine. Ward is one man who works for me. I am willing to call a genius. That's high praise coming from Walt Disney. That's for sure. So, everybody, I hope you have enjoyed our look at three of the nine old men. And I hope that you return next week and the week after to hear about the rest of them. Brenda and Sophie, thank you so much for joining me today. I think it's been a lot of fun. And I look forward to hearing next week as well. And and Mm -hmm. just really getting into some nuts and bolts. And next week, Brenda is going to talk about Ollie Johnston. Am I right? Yes, you're right. And Sophie is going to talk about... Les Clark. Yep. The first and, one and the last one. Or, yeah. Yep. There's a little tease. Les Clark was the first of the nine old men. Yep. And I'm going to be talking about Milk Call, who was, as you Milk know, he Ted. was, he did, he did the princess for, for alongside of Mark Davis doing the, the princesses. So, mm-hmm. so let's see what we can learn about those three. And we will talk to you all next week. And Sophie and I will see you on on the the road.
Thank you, Brenda, for joining us. And everyone, have a great week. Bye. Bye. Bye.